Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 16th of October 2013. And joining me on this edition are AV Forums Assistant Editor Steve Withers. You know, Mrs. Butman, you need a license to buy a dog, to drive a car, hell, you even need a license to catch a fish. For the let any butt reaming asshole be your father. Games Editor Mark Butterwright. I can't do this. This is too intense. Movies Editor Simon Crust. Your mouth used up all the power. And audio reviewer and new dad, Ed Selly. Men say that, they all say that, then they come. So, Ed, give us the good news. Well, yes, as you say, um, I find myself um, a dad. Uh, the as as the previous podcast insinuated, uh, I wasn't able to attend that because uh, things were uh, starting to get into gear. And uh, two sixteen on PM on Wednesday, uh, uh, I took delivery of a boy. Um, figuratively speaking, my wife did the tricky bit, as we were saying earlier on. Um, he's called William. Uh, he seems to be by far and away the most chilled of the three of us at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, but no, he's a, he's, a, he's a handsome chap. He seems very chilled. And um, yeah, I'm sure that uh, at some point during this podcast, you'll probably hear him make a small sort of noise as he's carried past to, to, to have his nappy changed. But uh, yes, uh, it's all good news. And uh, yeah, uh, onwards and upwards from here. Well, congratulations from us on the team and I'm sure uh, the listeners will add their congratulations onto the uh, podcast. And uh, listeners, happy Monday. Uh, we kind of caught you out on this week. Uh, we had to go quickly. Um, I was going to say we had to come quickly, but that would have been but, uh, the, yeah, wrong, the wrong phrase. I'm going to take amongst the But we, uh, we're obviously off to see some interest in new product from Tuesday. So uh, that's why the podcast has appeared early. So please enjoy. And uh, we're going to move on hardware news, and to make up for the lack of 4K news on last week's podcast, it was the first podcast of 2013 where the words 4K were not used at all. Wow. Uh, Steve, you have LG 65-inch LA970 UHD TV. I do feel the fact we were hoping to have a bit more 4K this month, ideally someone other than me talking about it, but unfortunately Mark's not available because Mark's got the 65-inch F9000 from Samsung, which uh, we've already reviewed the 55-inch so I guess he'll be giving his opinions on that at a later date when he can make a podcast. Yes, I've got the LG 65-inch LA970 in for review. Uh, we've so far seen Sony and uh, Samsung. Uh, so this is the latest in the, in the string of 4K TVs that are hitting the market with uh, Toshiba and Philips to come. Oh, and Panasonic as well. It's, uh, it's actually got to say it's the only... Uh, 4K, because one thing you need to remember about 4K TVs is they're all basically LCD TVs. So a lot of the limitations of LCD come into play here, specifically those that are using edge LED lighting. And on a 65-inch screen, that can be an issue because it's a big piece of real estate to light up with LEDs at the edge. Now, the LG uses a full array backlight. So it's not using edge lighting, it's called a full array backlight. And that must make a big difference on screen this size. It means you've got a very nice, even backlight. Uh, quite impressive black levels too, um, especially when you're using the local dimming. However, uh, and this is always the case I've experienced to date when it comes to full LED arrays, is that sometimes on uh, camera pans across uniform fields, uh, like a field or an, a sky or something like that, you can sometimes see the uh, the array itself behind, so in, in the form of banding, which is kind of um, one of the downsides of the technology really. But, but other than that, it's, I've got to say it's an impressive TV. It, it's Big, obviously, given the screen size, but surprisingly heavy for uh, for an LCD TV. It caught me by surprise when it arrived because the guy had left in the van and I thought I'd put it up easily on my own. And it nearly killed me moving this thing. It was so heavy. And the reason it's quite heavy is it's got some it's got quite a lot of speakers built into it. And by that, I mean decent sized speakers. And in fact, when I first turned it on, I could hear this noise. Uh, like, a, like something mechanical moving. And I thought, what the hell is that? After a few hours, I realised that what effectively amounts to a soundbar descends down beneath the screen um, and between the sort of the feet because it's kind of, kind of got a lot of uh, panel-wide stand with a space and then into this space descends a soundbar, basically, uh, which is quite a good idea. Um, you know, and, and the audio on, on, on this TV is quite good, um, surprisingly good, and I think that's one of the reasons is because they've, they've employed this kind of rather unique approach to delivering uh, TV sound. Other than that, it's it's very much 
uh, other than the soundbar and the full light back, full LED backlight array, is basically uh, the same as the Samsung and Sony's we've seen so far. Uh, you know, if you've got any 4K content, it looks spectacular. There is some content that uh, LG gave me uh, just for testing purposes, you know, travel log footage, that kind of stuff, the usual kind of thing you get. Uh, it looked great. Uh, you could clearly see it was high resolution than 1080p, although having said that, uh, 1080p does look very nice, upscaled onto the 4K panel. Um, so overall, so far, I've been very impressed. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been a really impressive TV. The only thing it doesn't have, and again, I think this is a genius idea from Samsung, is their, their One Connect box which makes it very easy for them to upgrade to a uh, uh, sort of a newer version of HDMI. I know there's been HDMI 2.0 announced, uh, which the Panasonic has. It looks to me, looking into it in more detail recently, that it's a bit of a fudge. Um, and I'm suspecting there'll be some other, you know, obviously a, a version 2.1, 2.2, whatever, coming along the line. Um, and from that perspective, Samsung's idea of having a separate connection box is actually very clever because it makes it pretty straightforward for them to upgrade it. With the LG and with the Sony, you know, it might require something else, either a changing of the um, of the HDMI uh, board or something else in order to upgrade it to a higher um, higher HDMI um, um, format. No, that's not right. A higher HDMI. Um, I'm trying to think of the word Phil. Version speed. So. Banana. <laughs> Upgrading but, it to a higher... Put any word in there, nobody cares. Upgrading it to a higher HDMI version. But so far, yeah, so far, so good. Uh, I, I really like it. It's, it's an impressive TV. You know, um, I'm, I'm always amazed at, I think we talked about this last week, how quickly technology has moved on and how cheap it's got. And 4K, never has this been truer than with 4K, where suddenly within the space of a year, we've gone from having nothing to having a number of TVs on the marketplace uh, at surprisingly uh, reasonable prices. I was going to ask... Um, Steve, do, do you know the cost of that one? Because I was in a uh, well-known shopping store this morning and I saw the Sony for £3,200. The 65 55 inch. Inch. No, 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 55. But uh, then yeah, next I, door I, to it was that curved OLED LG thingy, which is just a fantastic picture but looks absolutely ridiculous, £7,000. So if you have a 4K telly and a curved 1080p telly, one is 3,200 and one is 7,000. Where do you spend your money? Yeah, one's a LED based and the other is OLED with far superior picture quality, but it's curved. Yeah. The curving is not decision. such an issue. I think, yeah, what Phil says is right. You know, we're talking about 4K TV. Yes, it's got a high resolution, but ultimately what it is is an LCD panel with an LED backlight. Um, and that technology has certain advantages and it has certain disadvantages. Uh, whereas OLED obviously is a completely new technology um, and hopefully we'll be seeing one quite soon to give you a, a full opinion but certainly from what I've seen at shows and I'm sure Phil will back me up here and maybe what you saw in the store today Simon the picture quality is absolutely spectacular because you've got absolute black and a very yeah. bright image incredibly wide dynamic range incredibly fast response time so motion handling looks really good I mean yeah, this is clearly the future of television that ain't going to come cheap uh, I personally think that 6,999 quid for an OLED TV is actually quite reasonable. You'd have paid 10 grand for a 42-inch flat panel standard definition TV 10 years ago. So, mm, 10 years ago, 2013. I mean, admittedly, it was a terrible screen, but uh, thinking back to my heady days at Richer Sounds, we, we got some sort of LG panel in. It was, it was two grand. Admittedly, that didn't include speakers, tuner, or stand, but it's still some – it's, you know, it, I, it's been – been, been a bit quicker than that, but I, I take the sentiment. I remember when we were selling Panasonic PW4s for for sort of seven or eight k, and they've got what the same resolution as CFAX. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, we've been talking quite a bit about 4K on the podcast. Uh, the guys have seen them for review. Um, if you're lucky enough and live in in a large urban area like Simon, uh, your large retailers might have them in, so you can go and have a look. Uh, but the vast majority of AV4 members are yet to see uh, 4K TVs and definitely yet to see 4K projectors. And we're having an event on the 23rd of October, thanks to Sony. They're holding their press day that day to show off the VW500 4K projector. And after the press are kicked out, AV Forum's members uh, can attend that and get hands-on with Sony's new 4K projector. So you'll be able to see some native 4K footage on that as well as play about with some Blu-rays and all the rest of it. So if you're interested in attending that, uh, it is in central London, 
nothing we can do about the location. Uh, it is Sony that's inviting uh, AV Forum members along. So if you're in London on the 23rd of October, you fancy going along 6.30 till 8.30 in the evening, uh, then go to the Projector Forum. There is an RSVP link in the thread in there. Uh, send your email through Book a Place and be quick because it's first come, first served for that one. So that's 23rd October. Go along see the new Sony VW500. And who knows, you might even get a look at the new high-end model. It's not on the list, but you never know, it might turn up. And to wrap up on hardware, uh, more rumours about Panasonic pulling out the plasma market. And I've got to say, I'm not surprised with this. It's been ongoing for about a year now uh, that this was going to happen. I think a lot of it is messages, uh, the message being misinterpreted. Uh, obviously, they have stopped R&D into plasma. We know that. We got told that by the CEO um, at CES back in January. Uh, they are going to concentrate on OLED technology. Uh, that's where they see the future. So they're stopping development of plasma, but they're not stopping plasmas on the market. However, this latest rumour adds a little bit more smoke to the fire, Steve. And it wouldn't surprise me if next year's models are the last. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it logically, I mean, obviously, it, it makes sense that they would stop R&D because plasma is a very mature technology. You kind of wonder, having seen this year's models, I mean, between the, the ST, the GT, the, the VT and the ZT, and you kind of think, well, where can they possibly go? I mean, they are pretty much at the zenith of, of plasma technology right now. They're some of the best TVs we've ever reviewed. Um, you know, you could say, okay, well, Pioneer were there four years ago, but look what happened to them. They pulled out of the market. Uh, you get to this point, you're thinking, well, is, is there anywhere for them to innovate or improve it? So do they just continue with the current lineup until they've sold them all um, in, into next year? Or do they launch an entirely new range with the costs that they're associated with that? You know, well, if they just, you know, sell, because um, I've noticed that they've been selling um, the, the, v, the ZT for like, less than 3,000 something, a lot less than it was originally listed at. It's, it feels like they're almost at the clearing stock uh, and emptying, and, and maybe, you know, they're retouring the factories for OLED production, and, and we have seen that maybe this is the last year of, of, of plasma. from I don't, I, don't honest, think, I don't think it's the last year. Uh, there will be a, a line-up at CES. Um, we're too far into the year for them not to do that now. Uh, so there will be a new line-up. There won't be any innovation on there, I don't, I don't think. So why not just keep selling what you've already made then? <laughs> uh, because then it becomes old stock and, and people think, well, where's the new the new ones? Oh, well, that's an old model now and they're obviously not going to replace it, so I'm not going to buy it. They will come out with new model numbers. I can guarantee that. Uh, there will be a lineup next year of Plasma. But well, like one, one high and one budget, or an ST and a VT. Something like that. But, but they won't just stop it just like that. Uh, there's no way they're going to do that. And they certainly haven't said that they're going to do that. And when asked about the Reuters story this week, um, they haven't said that they are pulling out, but then again, they haven't said that they are. Yeah, well, so that, that, I've, I've read a lot of press releases in my time as a banker, and I can tell you that was someone dodging the subject. Uh, I, I would, why, why? If, they don't, if they're not making any money on plasma production, then stop it. You know, this is a business at the end of the day. You know, they're not here to do as altruistic, you know, nature to try and provide TVs for enthusiasts. They're there to make money. If no one's buying plasmas and it's costing them more money to make them, as Pioneer discovered, than it is to sell them, then they're just going to pull out. I mean, why, why continue with something that is now pretty much dead? Fairly heartless, but fairly uh, succinct way of looking at it, it must be said. Yeah, there's, um, you know, it, it, beyond emotional attachment. Um, you, yeah, you've got to look at this sort of logically. It's why, um, on smaller scales in, in the audio industry, why a number of man, number of sort of more wholesale manufacturers given up making CD mechs. You know, a lot of C, uh, what are ostensibly CD players making use of DVD and, and other other basic mechanisms to to, to get the job done. Um, it, it becomes it it sort of moves down the scaling until an organisation feels they can make a go of it at sort of scales and pricing that that makes sense. And if that isn't Panasonic, then it might might be somebody else. It might not. I think if they, if they were doing what you said they were doing or what you think they're doing, Steve. Um, they would have made an announcement uh, like Pioneer did and then get the rush on for people <laughs> buying them up. Um, they haven't made any announcement, so I, I don't see that. I see I see the uh, the VT70 next year. Uh, it will come. It will be there at CES. Um, there won't be any huge upgrades to it or anything like that, but it will be a new model number for another year, and then you might see them pull out. Because they've got nothing to replace it at the minute in their lineup, so they'd be kind of cutting their 
nose off to spite their face a little bit. Can you see them going to LED only? No, I can't. There'll be a new plasma line next year. Well, like I said, I, did, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what the actual sales numbers are. And I don't know how much it costs to produce them and how much of a factory, how much of the manufacturing plants being used for plasma production, how much it would cost to retool it. All I can say is that if this were the last year of plasma, it's been a hell of a good year. But it's not, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's a real shame, though. I mean, that ZT is, is a, an awesome well, it's just Well, it's just a sign of the time, Simon, isn't it? I mean, yeah, we're, I we're moving on to new technology. Yeah. Um, you look at the, the high street, you know, LEDs, you know, outselling plasma by some margin. By I think ten to one or something. Man, huge margin. Ten ten percent of the market is plasma. The rest is LED LCD. Yeah. Um, but that's always going to be the way because it's far cheaper to make an LED LCD TV. Um, they are flooded in the marketplace. You can buy one at hundred quid, all the yeah. way up to six seven thousand pound for a for a four K or whatever. Um, but I don't see them pulling out straight away. I think if they were going to do that, they would announce it now, Steve just to sell off the stock if that's what they were going to do because yeah. then, to be fair, then you get though, people... i mean i'm just I'm, i can't I, I was briefly looking at the archive and it's a bit too complicated for me to do it but um at about the time when i joined the forum so june 2003 they were it wasn't too long after that that panasonic announced that the pd30 i believe it was was the last sort of big crt that they were going to do and there were all sorts of threads of you know people go oh i'm going to get 30 you know get a stockpile of 36 and because at that point the very first viera panels and the pd6 or pwd6 whatever it was um there was there were arguments for and against whether it was actually a genuine step forward over a pd30 if you had one that was working properly and that was a big if i never managed it um so i mean i think we'll see the same thing again whether it's this year or next year but um 10 years down the line no one is seriously suggesting that um the 36 inch crt um, is, is, <laughs> is, is, gen- is genuinely missed so <laughs> sentimentality aside i I, yeah. I think i think we'll make it's, it it's, it's going to happen it's going to happen one time or another i think it's a bit premature to say it's going to happen right now um all i'm saying is we'll get another product line out of them we're just too far through the year now for them to to not do it and not make an announcement and they were very cagey when asked this week so um they haven't said one way or the other so reading between the lines they did have something lined up why not just say yes they did have support lined up if they have a product lineup for for next year why not just say of course we're going to have a product lineup in 2014 i mean ridiculous The, the response was Sounded like corporate, you know, corporate sidestepping, and, and when there's so much rumor going around at the moment, it just seems like there's no smoke without fire. I, I just think maybe they've got something else lined up, because you know, at the end of the day, if they're not making money on them, then why do it? You know, if it's, they're going to physically lose money on another lineup of plasmas, then I can see as a as a head of a company, absolutely no reason for doing that. That's just in a company that's already in huge trouble in its TV division. And there's also rumours about them shutting it down entirely, which you know, could conceivably happen since they make a lot more money on other things. So yeah, re- Remind you know, me not to do a podcast on, on a Sunday because you're just a miserable sod on a Sunday, Steve. <laughs> no, I'm you're just really saying that was advocate here. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Go and have I, a beer I, and cheer you know, up. <laughs> they've got a 4K OLED to launch next year, then screw the plasma. You know, why not just oh, yeah, I mean, bring it on. That's, I'm, I'm not saying let's hang on to plasma because it's the best technology out there. It's clearly not. Um, but it's a bit late in the year. I mean, we're October now. CES is what six, seven, eight weeks away. It's two. Yeah, that, it's that's you know, sober. Unless they want to soften the blow of announcing they're pulling out by announcing something else at the same time. They, they might do that, but I, I I don't see them pulling out straight away. And, you, and you've got to imagine that actually when when they release a new uh, and they lent this a couple of years ago when they run out of stock, there will be stock to shift. And if I was them and I was killing it off. The first thing I say is, we're killing this off, so if you want one, you better go and get one now. You know, because mm. that's what Pioneer did. And the yeah, but they had the, they had the Curo, didn't they? They had the best of the best of the best at that time and said, this is it, this is the best we're going to do. That's, that's your lot. Thank you and good night. Panasonic don't yet have that. I mean, I know they've got the ZT, but they, they haven't flagged it up as much, has it? Yeah, well, you know it's, what I mean? it, well that, that is it. They're not going to bring out another top-end TV. That is it. That's their pinnacle of, this is it, this is Plasma. It won't get better than this. I think that's why they did it too. I think they did that. They made the ZT this year as as the last hurrah of plasma. Yep, yeah. It was their can't... final throw of the dice to say, right, we can top Pioneer once and for all. And in all fairness, I think they did. Yep. Um, yep. In my yeah. opinion, having had, had one in for review, it was um, it's an amazing television. Having said that, the VT the VT is no, you know, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good too. 
uh, and um, yeah, also you get the bigger screen size too as well. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And like I say, CES is not that far away, which is quite scary no. actually. <laughs> um, so we, we will find that out. So that kind of wraps up hardware news. Don't forget, you can see that Sony projector, twenty third October. Go to the projectors forum, look at the thread, and if you can make it along central London. Uh, get your email in and snap up a place because it is a first-come, first-serve basis. Stop yawning, Steve. Uh, we're going on to Games News next. Right, so moving on to uh, Games News. Uh, 500 grand in your pocket um, if you play GTA V uh, online and you had all the problems and all the rest. Have I got that right, Mark? They're going to give everybody 500 grand for... Uh, hookers and drugs? Uh, not necessarily for those, but real they money. Are... No, they're going to give everyone five hundred thousand pounds for hookers and what? What did you say? Blow. Have you ever played GTA, Simon? No. This is why this sounded particularly good. I might go out and buy it. <laughs> That's no. not five hundred thousand real dollars. I should point out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Now, it's in-game currency. It's uh, dubbed their stimulus package. Um, two 250000 GTA dollars deposited into your in-game bank accounts. Uh, it's been indicated that it's to kind of make up for the early issues and connection problems, you know, people losing uh, saved characters and progress with uh, amassing money in-game. Uh, but it's probably, you know, stimulus package is probably, in fact, the right term in that it's it seems more designed to get the economy moving. You know, there's, there's no such thing as in-game quantitative easing, but if there was, this would kind of be it because the the game's kind of built around the idea of amassing money, buying things, and that's how Rockstar planned to be able to sell you in-game money for real money. So you could buy, you know, buy a certain amount of GTA dollars and then, you know, purchase car modifications or an apartment or a garage and that kind of thing. The problem is, is that a lot of the, the amounts that you get for doing things in the game are quite low. So therefore, I think there's there are a large proportion of people, I, I would bet, that are simply amassing money they're simply like a, a just you know in the real world like a stalled economy no one really wants to do anything because they're scared they're going to be a little bit poorer because you lose money for dying say uh so everyone's kind of stockpiling cash there isn't a great deal of spending going on for people in the early levels and the worry would be from rockstar's point of view that people will simply turn off that in fact leaving your kind of real world to go into a game to kind of work hard to amass money to kind of you know basically replicate real world issues <laughs> that sounds rubbish <laughs> yes exactly Get, driving around realizing that you can't afford a property this kind of thing losing money <laughs> yeah not getting laid on a regular basis presumably somebody somewhere is going to be monitoring this as an actual sociological experiment just to see what happens if you actually do this form of bailout in reality i would love in, to know yeah, in the, the same way that obviously, you know, the after the corrupted blood plague of Warcraft and after people became obsessed with keeping it in game and they've become a study for how terrorist cells operate, actually quite an accurate uh, study of how terrorist cells operate. The only question I've got, I don't know if you know this, Mark, is do in-game prices suffer from inflation or are they fixed? I think they're fixed. And so, so in other words, it can't. We can't honestly replicate the issue that would prevent the government saying, "Right, we're going to stimulate the economy by giving you each ten grand." No, because... but it does. Players can players buy from other players within the online world. You can gift money to people, and you can kind of kill someone and take a bit of money. Um, but it does kind of replicate Sell one house to another player. Then, yeah, um, that could. I don't know. Uh, facilitate inflation, couldn't it? Yeah, what, I think. What? What am I missing here? GTA, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> That's a long list, so, mate. Yeah? Is this the game where you drive around, shoot and kill people? Yes. Where the hell are we talking about buying houses? Same in. We've you go got... and steal a house. Is this the same game? Am I, am I, where am I? What's going on? How do you steal a house, Simon? <laughs> you go in and kill the people and leave the house yeah, as you yours. You go in and kill the people. You can, you can then, you know... Um, own the really house. Pay their mortgage. No, no, it's not owning the house. It's <laughs> the next, the next <laughs> I, I just don't get it. <laughs> But the police will come round and they'll evict you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. 
just just evicting. I, I was going to say, you I get think they're harsher than that. Yeah. <laughs> probably should, yeah, probably shoot you. <laughs> It's called squatting, Simon. It's not, it's not really owning a house, is it? You're just squatting in someone else's. And you've committed murder as well, so you might With get an response to that. in the utility room. <laughs> Apparently, a friend of mine told me that there might... I think there's an app for GTA Five where if you do speed in the game, you get sent a speeding ticket. <laughs> Email. So, uh, so like, message. so like we joked last week that yeah, like we joked last week, but for real. Only the, only the idea is to encourage you to go faster in the game. <laughs> like you get like 150 mile an hour speed and to get right. I can do better than that. <laughs> anyway, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's only it's only a hop, skip, and a jump until it, until you sort of eve online, where, where you are basically paying to replicate the entire capitalist drudgery of your life, but in a computer game. I mean, that's yeah, so, magnificent. So, so I play a computer game just to sit at a computer. <laughs> working on a database <laughs> in a computer someone, game someone, someone needs to combine these sort of dynamic environments but yeah instead, instead of going out to you know try and make it big by committing ever more ambitious crimes it's like yeah you just gotta stagger off down to the job center plus and they hook you up use it and then you can be a train driver using the simulator using that train microsoft train simulator and every single day you have to sign in and drive a train and then life will be complete we, we were actually created our own matrix it would be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to encapsulate how to stop children playing computer games, just remove the hope and excitement. Make them really boring and <laughs> hopeless and soul-destroying, like real life. <laughs> we should happily prepare them for what lies ahead, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you and were talking about discover. You were talking about making investments on housing and stuff, Steve. Do you think you're going to be better in a com- computer game than you are in real life? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Still paying off the last load. Uh, anyway, Mark, we were saying GTA 5. <laughs> I could shoot a few ex-wives, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> in prison for a long time. Yeah, but yeah, you, know, you could uh, you could buy The Rock and, uh, you know... Yeah. Turn my, my sex you, bit. Vin Diesel and The Rock. Yeah. One mission. Yeah. One yeah, ex-wife. That would sell quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Just a very specific market, obviously. And, and you could pay, have two blokes killing each other in front of you. Yeah. Uh, yes. Again, that's a video game that would definitely sell. <laughs> You can yes. scan in your face and all your friends' faces and then put them into the game and then kill each other. Well, you're going to be able to do that. Would this count as evidence-based testimony? <laughs> 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 only, only as far as the Red Cross are concerned. Clearly, I'll be I'm yeah. indicted for war crimes in a video So at, at, uh, at this moment in time, I'll just say hello to the guys at GCHQ. Thanks for uh, <laughs> downloading and listening. <laughs> if you are listening, flash my lights on and off. <laughs> 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 hey, a bit uh, scary. Someone just turned the light on. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. So, anyway. Mark, what were you saying? I think that's been suitably covered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, is that all the games news? Uh, it's a bit more about them being. Uh, yeah, a little bit kind of money related in that um, Take Two Interactive and Rockstar have been hit with a cease and desist letter from. Uh, hip-hop artist and producer Daz Dillinger. Now, I'm wandering into a realm which I'm gleefully ignorant, but apparently he is someone, um, and, you know, he's not just someone looking for a quick payout. Um, Basically says they've used a couple of his songs uh, without his uh, express consent. Uh, They offered him what he considered a trivial amount of just over $4,000 for the pair of them. He said no, but the game went ahead. Um, he's basically asking for them to get rid of all unsold copies, which, as I think we all know, is never going to happen, and it's not going to be. They're not going to stop selling it. It's simply going to be a case of does he actually own the rights? Because kind of '90s hip hop, I think there was a lot of uh, signing over of rights from particular artists to to companies. So it's a question of does he still own the rights? If he does, then he's looking at a, a pretty hefty check. But given that the the game's amassed, you know, over a billion. I think, yeah, I think yeah. that's fair enough. If he's a hip hop star, somebody will bump him off. They don't have to worry. In real life, or in the game? Oh, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. There's going to be a mod, isn't there, with him and the mod, and he's going to get shot. And uh, before we wrap up uh, on games, uh, Mark, games podcast this week. What will you be discussing? Unsurprisingly, lots and lots of opinion about uh, Grand Theft Auto Five takes pretty much centre stage. And that's it. Um, Grand Theft Auto Online, 
mentioned a bit about uh, the Steam Box. Uh, now that we've seen the specs for it, also um, some of the guys derided the controller, but they're obviously wrong about that. And also the Battlefield 4 beta. So that's the games podcast out 14th of uh, this month, uh, Monday. Uh, same day as this podcast, actually. So uh, once you finish listening to this, you can go and download the games podcast and enjoy the guys talking about GTA 5. Right, moving on. We're going to talk tech next. I wouldn't bother finishing listening to this. We haven't finished recording yet. It could be an absolute classic. Probably not, but it could be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm playing the odds here, Phil. Play <laughs> the odds. <laughs> uh, if if if, if all uh, all else fails, we'll we'll talk about what what was it? Theodore Rex. We'll talk about that. That'll get them in. Or, or oh, we'll invent a fictitious about. currency for AV forums and just give half a million of it to each listener. Don't know what yeah. I'll spend it on, but and they can send yeah. it an application for a mortgage. Oh like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we could have an in-game game where they can work on our new database. They can get virtual money, which they can spend on AV forums. So moving on to uh, tech news and a story from the Telegraph this week. Uh, days lost to slow PCs. Um, this report making out that uh, every year workers lose five and a half days because the computer is slow. Um, quite a one-sided uh, article, this one, because, um, you know, in my experience, it's more the worker that's slower than the computer. Well, yeah, I think they lose five and a half days to slow computers and about six and a half months to messing around on Facebook and YouTube and everything else that's on the computer. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, I mean, whilst the laptop I do the podcast on is now very, very old indeed. And um, I, I was cutting it a bit fine today by getting it sort of up and running about five minutes before we uh, we before we, we kicked off proceedings. But yeah, um, even thinking back to when I was working on print magazines, where you're like moving massive images around in uh, in InDesign and things like that, uh, most of the time the the, the, slow, the sluggishness was me failing to sub and check my copy correctly, rather than the computer not knowing what to do. But it's a good excuse to give yourself more time to spend on Facebook and other tat, isn't it? But isn't that the problem? Running multiple applications doesn't that isn't that what slows a computer down? <laughs> it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. So. Windows update. Windows update, yeah. Yeah, fighting. Because everyone's using PCs and Windows. If they all moved to Apple, so they'd be fine. Macs will I'm sorry, I vehemently. Vi- vi- <laughs> um, it, it's not that, it's, it's, as I say, I've, I've used both both extensively. They just find, find different ways to, to, to lose you a bit of time. Um, so uh, it's six, one, half a dozen of the other. Let, let's not pretend that the, uh, the beach ball of despair is not, something that max can't can't spend a bit of time doing in my experience of working in corporate britain and corporate companies um if microsoft had gotten rid of solitaire from windows <laughs> it would save masses of time <laughs> one day i'll learn to play minesweeper as well oh, I used to no. that a lot. Yeah. learn i've never i don't know i yeah, don't understand you know, I'd, I'd walk in with documents to get typed up for court and she'd be sitting there saying i'm really busy i don't think i can meet the deadline and she's sitting there with the screen open and it's got solitaire on it <laughs> I, I certainly have wasted quite a bit of time mucking around with my my sweeper in the past i don't know desktop tower assaults where it's at that's just brilliant. i've never heard of that what's that I, well, I forewarn you, I, I don't want to go any further into Desktop Tower Assault because um, you've got a database to update and you won't if I if you go and experiment with Desktop Tower Assault. It's the most, it, it, it's a, a, second to, a second to learn, a lifetime to master. Basically, you've got to defend uh, a tower against waves and waves of oncoming little men. It just works on an internet browser portal. And, That's the um, thing of throwing stuff at them, is it? Is that the yeah, one? yeah, and you get different and more ornate ways of defending the, yeah. the, the stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awful something. game, an awful, yeah. awful game, but so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, as you know, I mean, I, I, I haven't found all these strange corners of the internet quite by accident. I, I didn't was never really in for solitaire, but that you know, people, people who say I'm bored at work and you have a computer with access to the internet, I'm sorry, you're just not trying hard enough. There's a whole world of wonder out there. Yeah, I must yeah. admit, the, 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 it never ceases to amaze me how I can sit down at a desk and the next thing I know, four hours are gone and I'm, hang on a minute. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> you have nothing. You look at one thing, then you go off at a tangent. Look at yeah, you don't have to tell tangent. me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
But not for the last two weeks, eh, Steve? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Absolutely. No, he, he, he called off on Friday. Oh, I need to review something because we've got nine up on this, eh? Did it, didn't I? Where's he from in this impression? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not we the West <laughs> Yes, Steve, you don't sound very West Country. Let's put it that way. Uh, so moving on to a wasting time uh, at work and uh, moving on to probably one of the sloppiest bits of tech journalism I've ever read. Um, iTunes Radio is coming. Uh, it's coming to the UK next year or it might be early 2014. It might be late 2014 or it might not appear at all. That was the first paragraph. No. Yes. No, no, no. It's to be fair. It's now third paragraph. But he, you're absolutely right. I read verbatim. According to a report from Bloomberg, the plans are not public yet, which means that no official announcements out of Cupertino so far. Early 2014 could be changed to later 2014, or worse yet, not at all. Welcome <sighs> to uh, welcome to, to you, the, these bets have been hedged to an inch of the. <laughs> so this is in my old game that was covering up, your ass. Yeah, well, it's what's called in in the police terminology covering your arse. Basically, you've got all all everything covered. Yeah, it, it's a non-story basically. I mean, it, it's saying iTunes is iTunes going to be the end of Spotify? Well, let's face it, iTunes Radio doesn't exist other other than the US, and Spotify does exist, and I use it every day, and I don't see any uh, reason at this moment in time to worry about it. So, know. is it possibly an advertising um, gambit by Spotify just to wave the flag for themselves? Well, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. The school doesn't look that way out. Um, and it, the other thing is that at the moment, no one can. No one can say with any authority, given they can't say if it's coming or not. There's no clear information at all as to whether it's a completely user selection based exercise like Spotify, where it's like I fancy sitting down and listening to Mechanical Ball by the Kings of Leon. Delete is appropriate, or whether it's one of these. We've looked at your musical taste, and here's an uh, here's a stream of songs you might like, which I I personally don't get as a method of delivering me music. I, I I'll find what I like. Thanks very much. Don't 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 patronise me. Um, so I don't even know which one it is. Um, I mean, knowing Apple, the idea uh, I, I'm I'm sure that they'll find some way. I and mean, given it's involved based around iTunes, the world's most disappointing software. I'm sure that they'll find a way of taking the largest database of online music and finding a way of screwing it up so you can't just access it in a way that you see fit. So well, now that's BBC, journalism. <laughs> I use the BBC iPlayer radio app anyway, which is great. I don't use radio. I mean, I, I occasionally I use the iPlayer radio app, especially if I want to catch up with something. But um, Spotify, it's not a case of it choosing music for me. I'll go on there and I'll select something to listen to based on either reviews that I've read comments on comments online you know people just saying have you listened to this or maybe i'm just feeling nostalgic and i want to listen to something i haven't listened to for the best part of 15 20 years working on the database uh, it's been 80s week yeah <laughs> <laughs> wham uh, uh, wham uh-huh. uh, madonna um the Beatmasters and uh, and this is supposed to yeah this is supposed to make you work quicker is it Finish the database and you can stop listening to that shit. To be yeah, honest, well, I, would it's, think it's, I would be going to the yeah. if it meant not having to listen to 80s Madonna. I'd just, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, it's playing, in, it's playing in the background and I'm not listening to it. Every now and again, a catchy one comes on. but <laughs> A catchy one? Like what? What's a catchy one? Go on. New song by Howard Jones. Anything like <laughs> yeah. Nick yeah. Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah. All that. I'll listen, that. listen to all of that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good for you. Thank to Hollywood, eh? Oh, yes. Jan Hammer. And uh, what was the other one? Axel F. And uh, yeah, yeah. Reliving my, my youth. He says as his dentures fall out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on, I'm not the oldest one here. I mean, you were a teenager in the 80s, weren't you, Weathers? <laughs> very quietly. <laughs> I, was, I was 18, 1985. Ah, oh, did you did you have the haircut as well? Oh yeah, I had the lot, mate. Highlights, uh, fully shirts, leather trousers, pixie boots. I just flock of seagulls. I can't picture them. I never hair. did flock of seagulls. I was a big Duran Duran fan, so I modelled myself on John Taylor mostly. Because you use Stewie as your avatar, I've just always assumed that you were bald from birth. 
<laughs> I, loved, I had a massive head of hair, like a young Bob Dylan when I was younger. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. excessive dying may have f***ed it up a bit. <laughs> I think we need pictorial evidence. Off. <laughs> Taking that to my grave. You can buy that with AV Forum's dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see 80s Steve avatars everywhere. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. With it says relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Weather says just say no. With his wishes, he said no a few more times. There's a world of regret encapsulated within <laughs> that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, moving on to uh, movie news, what's at the cinema, Steve? Well, this week we have The Fifth Estate, which uh, I guess everyone will probably know as the WikiLeaks movie. It suffers from two problems that I guess any film that's based on actual events suffers from, which is you don't know exactly how true it all is, because obviously you're seeing it from a specific perspective. I mean, the film is based upon two books, one written by one of the, not not co-founders, because as it made it quite clear in the film, I mean, uh, WikiLeaks is founded by Julian Assange, but there was a, a German guy who helped him out um, uh, called Daniel Berg. Uh, and he was he was involved quite early on and then had a big falling out. He wrote a book about it. So a lot of it's based upon his, so a lot of it's from his perspective I and mean, with his bias. Now, the, I mean, the rest of it's based on a book written by one of the Guardian journalists who worked alongside WikiLeaks on the big, um, the, the big, uh, when they launched all the stuff from the uh, US military uh, plans in Afghanistan and the uh, the US diplomatic cables, which is probably the thing that they're most famous for. So, uh, you know, you've got to understand that it's obviously Julian Assange is sitting on record as saying that it's not true, no, no, it's not true, or it's not, you know, it's, it's not the whole story, etc. And he would say that, I guess. He is portrayed as being a bit of a dick in the film, although brilliantly portrayed, it has to be said, by Benedict Cumberbatch. And I'm beginning to wonder if Benedict Cumberbatch is in every film this year, because I've seen him in at least four. Uh, he wasn't in Iron Man three. No, uh, he wasn't in Iron Man three. He's in the Hobbit though. He's, he's doing the voice of Smaug, so we can look forward to that. But yeah, he seems to be in. He's a very busy man at the moment. Benedict Cumberbatch. He's very good in it. I have to say, he's very good as Junior Assange. But they do play him as a massive dick, um, a very self-centered. Well, not literally a massive dick. <laughs> I like to point out. I say, has but, he got? Um, what sort of film is this? WikiLeaks <laughs> with a massive dick. Nice. Yeah, they play him as very self-centered, very arrogant, uh, very much out for himself, and and um, and difficult particularly in, in, with the uh, release of the diplomatic um, uh, cables, because uh, obviously there was lots of stuff in there that was sensitive information. A lot of uh, informants' names were in there, and uh, you know he, he, he did promise the Guardian and the other newspapers that he wouldn't release it without, without redactions, but he did, uh, his argument being that you know we, we're about the truth and we don't want to redact anything, but I think he is putting people's lives at risk, and that was one of the reasons why he fell out with, uh, with Daniel Berg. So, yeah, one problem is obviously you don't know how much of it is actually true. The other problem is when you're doing anything involving computers, so how do you show it in a cinematic way without making it look like just blokes at you know, terminals? And the director, um, Bill Condon, who made, uh, made Dreamgirls and Gods and Monsters, which is a really great film, and then more recently has been wasting his time on Twilight films, uh, I guess for the money. Uh, he, he does have a lot of, sort of uh, scenes where you see people like in, in, in kind of um, quite... Um, <laughs> expressionist in a way yeah, with, with rows and rows of desks and computers to try and sort of portray um, pictorially the internet which <laughs> um, kind of looks a bit stupid frankly <laughs> <laughs> um, oh I, I can see what you're trying to do, which is you're trying to make people at laptops look remotely interesting because that's basically it's inherently it's not exciting, um, and so you have to do something in order to make it slightly more cinematic, uh, and that's what he d- does at various times um, with desks with names on the front of them, this sort of stuff to try and re- re- you know get the impression of different contributors and this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm not saying it's completely successful, but the film is quite, I mean, it is an enjoyable movie and it is interesting and you do get an insight perhaps into the workings of, of WikiLeaks itself and behind the scenes um, and how, how that, that, that particularly that, that their big um, um, sort of an, um, leak, if you like, um, of the um, documents from Afghanistan and the, and the diplomatic cables, how that came about, how they work with the press. But it certainly, it does, uh, what it does address quite well, I think, is how, the world is changing uh, how um, you know the internet has fundamentally changed life completely I mean secrecy is now quite difficult uh, policing the internet is almost impossible though they are trying more and more uh, you know how does print journalism exist in the modern world how does how does um, 
you know, how, how does how do newspapers continue to exist? I mean, because their argument would be we don't just print information, we put it in context, which is certainly true and definitely not the case with WikiLeaks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, certainly, it certainly was a, a, an interesting film with a great central performance, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Steve, keep going. <laughs> We're all listening. <laughs> Poor old Benedict. If you could see his back. Although I can't watch a film now without thinking about Ed's comment about it looks like a Every time I see him now, that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting film, and it's about, I think, an important subject. Right, just just for uh, context here. <laughs> that, the, that being the important thing, as always. Uh, okay, so ra- wrapping up quickly before we give the reasons why everybody's just burst out laughing. Um, Steve, your scores out of 10? Uh, seven. And I've got to say there was a there was a documentary on over the over the weekend um, about this, which actually had interviews with Assange and also the uh, Guardian reporter who was working with him and other people like New York Times and so on. Yeah. Really interesting, probably more interesting than the movie to be honest. I think it's a subject that would benefit. Yeah, I think it's more it lends itself more to a documentary. I think as long as it's an even-handed documentary than it does a, a film. Although you could say, well, whoever thought they could make a good film out of um, Facebook, the social network, actually, it's a really good movie. Yeah, but it's uh, com- completely fabricated though. But it's a good movie. You know, well, there's, there's well, that's very the little truth in it. Of, uh, yeah. of you know, do you, when you're telling a story based upon reality or actual events, how much of it do you have to stick to, <laughs> to the truth? <laughs> how much can you stick to the truth uh, and therefore you know maybe it's not that interesting or cinematic or, or do you you know do you go off on a tangent and try and make it more interesting maybe just um, play play loose and hard with the facts I mean I always think that one of the best beginnings of a film technically based on a true story is the beginning of Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid where it says most of what follows is true Buttercup Buttercup <laughs> Go on then Phil explain why you lot are behind my beast <laughs> <laughs> If only you could be so, you know, um, all right, for the benefit of people listening, going, Oh my god, they've lost it. Um, some weeks ago, during another random fumble through the internet i found the benedict cumberbatch name generator which states the fact that obviously you get lots of syllables to play with so instead of that you can have uh snorkel dink vegemite or booyabase carrot stick blubber whale moldy spore or, or indeed the one that's just popped up now is anal lube chicken strips <laughs> steady on simon <laughs> Rinky dink cardle snoot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a burner cockle tip. <laughs> Blubber dick really snatch. <laughs> Burger King scratch and sniff. <laughs> so, yes, you know, um, sorry for undermining the. Congleton uh, grab- crumple horn. <laughs> Sorry for undermining the gravitas of that review. Although, if if Cumberbatch comes across as a dick in it, I think that's quite a good... Don't get me wrong, I do support some of the aims and intentions of WikiLeaks, but that doesn't stop me thinking that Julian Assange is a massive tit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, the Guardian journalist in this documentary actually said, you know, when he first met him, he, he wanted to trust him because... He was such a nice bloke and blah, 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 and very trustworthy and all that. And then he just turned into a monster, complete and utter monster when he got his uh, publicity uh, and then started lying and the the done deals and all the rest, and he'd gone against all the deals done and basically he was a dick. And ultimately failed to protect his uh, sources and such, although it makes clear in the film that the source kind of let him, you know, outed himself because he's a bit of an idiot. Um, I'm talking about the guy, that the soldier that gave them all the information. Um <laughs> And now I think it's had a sex change, so, uh, yeah. Golden chicken strips. 
you know, if you're not going to take this stuff seriously, I think I'm just going to go. And... <laughs> well, Wellington giggle snort. <laughs> Uh, yes. Blubber whale camouflage. <laughs> now, 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 can I just say to, to the I... listeners, do you have any idea how hard it is to talk about a film where all you can see coming up are these names in front of you on the message board of Skype? <laughs> what I think is particularly mean is that... If, context, if I hadn't seen the link... If you, keep click, <laughs> if you keep clicking it, the longest one that comes up is his actual full name. <laughs> Wimbledon ball sack snip. <laughs> Candy Crush Temple Run. Wellington Kryptonite. There's a good one. Movie based. <laughs> porn star name. Oh god. <clears throat> yeah, I thought you were. Uh, I thought you were going to have a heart attack. This oh at one god, point. that was just mad. <laughs> just, just honky tonk stinky rash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, it's one of those great moments when you're not supposed to laugh, but you just can't help yourself. Well, poor Steve's now stormed off. <laughs> uh, I'm still here. But I'm oh, dear. He's just not taking part. He's 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 above all this, you know. <laughs> okay, moving moving swiftly on. Lost at Doctor Who episodes found. Um, Simon, give us a, a bit of background into this. A bit of background. Okay. Um, in, uh, I think it was very, very early 70s, the BBC uh, took to junking lots and lots of episodes because they sold, they broadcast them, they sold them to the various territories and they didn't think they had any intrinsic value. Um, and because tape was very, very expensive in those days, they uh, wiped and reused the tapes. Um, Doctor Who is probably the most high profile, but there were many, many um, many, many shows. Just how uh, short-sighted was that on the part of BBC? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Unbelievable. Um, uh, not only, but also uh, Dudley Moore and um, uh, Peter. Oh, Peter. Loads of stuff's been lost forever. Yeah, there's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost endless the amount of stuff that's gone and, and will never be found. Um, as I said, um, uh, Doctor Who is probably the most high profile because uh, it's got a sort of a fevered fandom um, and they're trying to track down these episodes. And they've scoured all over the world. And over the years, many have turned up. One of, one of the biggest ones, Tomb of the Cybermen, turned up uh, 1990s, was it? Um, Bash straight out on, the, on VHS, a complete episode, one of Trowns. Um, and it was the early ones that... That, that were gone, most of um, Billy Hartnell's, Pat Trowns, but, but a few of, of um, Bill Pertry's as well were lost, although they exist in some format or another. Um, the ones that are completely gone are completely gone. You, they just don't exist anywhere. Um, even um, there, there are some sound recordings, there are some video snaps, um, uh, pictures taken from television screens, that kind of thing. Um, and was it Friday? It was Friday, wasn't it? Um, the biggest mm -hmm. haul just about ever um, has been found um, two almost two complete stories: the Web of Fear, which is uh, a Pat Trouton one, and uh, Enemy of the World, in which Pat Trouton plays two parts: um, the Doctor and and the 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 evil, the, the baddie. Um, that's not a particularly good episode, um, I don't think. But the Web of Fear, um, the second appearance of the Abominable Snowman, is an amazing story. Um, thought to be lost and to, to be found in Nigeria of all places. Um, but of course, you know, the BBC, let's go back to the Tomb, Tomb of Simon, right? That, that was found, cleaned up, put onto VHS and sold. Okay, sold to the general public. Yes, they're going to do that with this, but because of te the way technology is advanced now, what they're doing is they're showing individual episodes on the iPlayer for a nominal, a nominal fee, 89 pence per episode. And of course, all the avid fans are going, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" But is it? I, hang I on, hang on. We pay how much is TV license now? Hundred and forty. This, this is the point I'm coming on to. It's what TV license is hundred and fifty quid now, is it? I don't know. I don't pay mine. Oh, yes, of course I do. Um, is it hundred and fifty quid? Hold on. I, I, I don't know. I pay monthly, and it's yeah. Not, I pay monthly twelve pound a month. Yeah, roughly. I don't know how much it is, but you would think as hundred and twenty quid a year. Yeah, it, you would think that they would broadcast this in one form or another, BBC Three or BBC Four. Um, even if it's just the once, they give people the opportunity to see it rather Absolutely. than having to buy it. Absolutely. Um, and, and bring it out on DVD. I mean, episode one of The Web of Fear has been, is, is available, has been available for, forever because it was never lost. So put the whole lot together, as they do, and get it out there. You see, I, I, think, I think the BBC is, is just losing touch with what the BBC is supposed to be about. 
um, you know, what their charter says and all the rest. Of it. I mean, the, the other the other one recently was uh, the Sky at Night, the longest running TV program, monthly ever. TV program ever in the world, and they get they're getting rid of it. And what they're going to replace it with? Strictly come dancing hairstyles, or you know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. they've, they've just lost touch completely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they're a public broadcaster, and therefore they're supposed to cover certain um, you know, segments of of the market. That's part of their remit, which is fair enough. And I do agree that I think the Sky Night shouldn't be dropped. But you know, at the same time, there is a degree of commercial. They are, um, you know, if people want to watch Strictly Come Dancing, and clearly they do in their millions. I'm not me personally. I could be a damn, but ten million, I think they had last night. Uh, oh. Yeah, last night. So, um, you know, it's popular. So, and they, they are also, you know, there to produce popular programming. I don't actually think. I think they personally think that the license fee is a bargain. I think the quality of programming you get from the BBC, and I'd pay that money just not to have to sit through bloody adverts, frankly. Um, uh, I think the BBC does a fantastic job. And as Simon said, they've also been at the cutting edge of technology as well for a long time. Help push TV technology and technology generally. Um, so, you know, it's, it's easy to bash the BBC, but compared to some, you know, you, you and I, Phil, when we used to when we were sitting around in Vegas and put the TV on, how bloody awful is American you know, network television? Advert breaks after yeah. advert Yeah, well, well the, intro, the intro bumper on TV programmes in the States are just so they can lead up to the, the first advert break. Yeah, first advert break. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I can see why people are, are, are crying out saying, well, come on, we pay a licence fee, at least put shove it on BBC4 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, even if it's just the once, you know, let, let us see it. So I and understand, understand that. Understand yeah, well, that. my problem, I, I don't agree with, don't disagree with it, and most of the sentiments being said here, but part of the problem is that um, since the original charter came along, the world has changed a little bit. And the problem is that the licence fee is now being used i don't believe maliciously or deliberately but nonetheless is then now distorting other parts of the media in so much as um i think we can all agree that rupert murdoch and and most other tv companies are big enough and grown up enough to look after themselves and if they complain about unfair competition from the bbc well i'm sure that they'll manage where it starts coming to where i start to have more problems with what the bbc sort of gets up to is um obviously however if you have a look just do a search based on bbc on the app store the number of apps that the bbc has generated the vast majority of which are free is biblical now with the best will in the world if you can afford the device to run the app on in the first place i think you can realistically stump up to pay for the app and that money could be used to do actual core programming and value stuff and if you are really upset about the idea of making a profit on the apps then make them revenue neutral they pay for themselves and then the, 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 it's put in the kitty to pay for more apps to do to do the, the, those things because every time that they're handing them out free any poor sod who isn't part of the bbc trying to produce anything to compete with that it it the, the playing field is completely and utterly un you know uh, uh, against them from the moment that they kick off and you know that I, I I have I take issue with that. I think it is it is outside the BBC's remit of what they should be doing, and in the long term, it actually has quite damaging effects on the material available to us. Well, they could, have, they've already broadcast it once back in 1967 and 1968. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, weirdly, I missed that. Uh, you know, on, on account of being I, sadly, I was alive, time. although I didn't. Want it. <laughs> Yes, I wasn't quite uh, born then. Um, I'd love to see him. I would. So I, I sort of begrudge paying the, the, you know, each per each episode. Well, the thing I don't like to is see the it on fact a bloody iPlayer. You know, I don't want to watch it on an iPlayer. I want to see it on my damn it's, telly. It's you know? not the iPlayer. It's exclusive to iTunes. This is what annoys me. Yeah, yeah, it's iTunes. Yeah, it's not iPlayer. It's iTunes. It's iTunes. Yeah. Oh, God, that's even worse. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, this is this is what I don't understand. This is why. Why I was a little bit angry when I read the story because I thought, well, yeah, fair enough. If 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 you're making it available to a wide range of people, then yeah, okay, and it's what you're going to make it a, a pound to watch or whatever. Then okay, but anything more than that is just I think taking the piss. Mm. Mm. And per episode, not the whole thing. I mean, come on. Well, maybe they just did that in order to pay for the money they spent actually restoring it. It surely wasn't cheap. 
Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, the restoration team do an incredible job. And if you ever look at their, their website and, you know, the, the, these guys are enthusiasts, they do it. Okay, you know, they're obviously in it for the money. But um, I think their, their driving passion is to, is to get these better than they were first broadcast. If you, if you read any of their write-ups on any of the DVDs that they've restored, it's not about you know, uh, getting the BBC to pay him money because they're always up against, they're always up against budget. Um, much like the show itself. Um, they do it because they, they want this to be as best and as better than broadcast qualities is their kind of remit. And a lot of them are, you know, um, the, uh, they, they cleaned up, um, the first Blu-ray, wasn't it? Spearheads in space just a couple of, couple of months ago, was it? Um, incredible, incredible looking thing. I nearly reviewed. Well, I, I started. I started reviewing it for the site, but uh, my word document smashed. I don't know what happened to it. So I thought, wow, bloody hell! I got it three quarters <laughs> of the way done, and my word document just died. I couldn't it, uh, corrupt it. I saved it one night. The Couldn't amount of times time. I hear these bloody excuses. Yeah, uh, I'll send it to you. Phil, so you can open it, and then I'll finish it. The important lesson, I suppose, is how how important it is that we do, um, you know, um, restore and save con- you know, both programming and films. And that they are, you know, um, safe for future generations because uh, uh, certainly before the 40s, sorry, <laughs> before the 40s, so many films have been lost forever. From the te- yeah. from the, certainly from the early period of, of cinema up to 1920s, 1930s, most of the films made then have been lost forever. Um, but it's interesting you say that. But it's been it's- lost forever because of the BBC wiping tapes or other stuff just being destroyed. People didn't store things correctly and they got lost. Um we're, we're heading out, into the same things. thing now, though. We're, he- yeah, we're heading into the same thing yeah. now with digital. You know, um, they're using all these different for- digital formats, uh, and the problem is that that once you get a few years down the line, can you open the files again? You so know? that means that I mean, if you wanted something even stranger than that, how do you show historically what the early internet looked like? Mm, yeah, well, that's that. Now, now the uh, uh, British Library has started to uh, actually save web pages, hasn't it? Not mm. to actually you just document. load up XP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are you laugh. I've still lost design that university. <laughs> I still run software on XP. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm using it. I'm using XP to participate in this podcast. I'm using so I'm using XP to uh, to record it. It's been recorded in XP. It won't work on Windows 7 because of DRM, recording Skype conversations. So found gonna, out to our cost. Yeah, cost, yeah. yeah. Scum. No, but uh, yeah, so it's an important lesson that we need to learn <laughs> and continue to do, which is to save this stuff for future generations and too much is already being lost. The, Don't the, make the same the, mistakes again. Is what the, they can lose strictly. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, they can lose I don't strictly. know. As I say, I actually, last night, in a slightly uh, sort of zoned and sleep deprived and paying attention to other things state, it was on in the background. So I would have counted as one of the people who watched, and I use the word loosely, no, strictly come dancing. And I, I, I can only assume that the, at least half the audience must have been in the same position as me, where honestly, you could have shown me an animated test card last night and it would have made no odds. You know, I believe the term isn't odds. watched, but clum- complicit. Yes. Yes. Although it must be said, I always, I have always thought that I, I rather, rather like Sophie Ellis Baxter. So, you know, I, I thought that that was, you know, a, a mild highlight. I, I, I perked up briefly during that point and sort of went back to my. Son reads a personal favourite of mine as well. So. My catatonic state after that. So that's how the Nazis came been. to power. <laughs> Indifference. Indifference yep, totally. and sleep deprivation. <laughs> Nazis come dancing. <laughs> now there's a show. <laughs> Better trade that mark. Trademark that. Mark. Yeah, yeah. We've got the domain name uh, done. It's been done already. It's been already been done. You've not seen the producers. <laughs> During during a a hiatus before we kicked off on the uh, on this section of the podcast, obviously I was reading. I read the initial news story come through uh, whilst I was sat sat in a maternity ward. You know, missing Doctor Who episodes found in Nigeria, and possibly because I'm a bad person. My initial thought was: had they actually found these episodes in Nigeria, or had someone emailed? Saying that he'd found the episodes and that for a sum of money he'd he'd release them and 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 we you know get get to see his handiwork. But yeah, <laughs> I I, 
it passed. I, I, as I understand it, we do have the have the article. No money has been transferred by Western Union to anywhere else. And um, yes, my my scepticism and latent jingoism. And it would be fantastic though if it was found by a Nigerian general. <laughs> yeah, you had ten million, you couldn't get out yeah. of the country. <laughs> and for ten thousand, you can help him out. I mean, for all we know, that's why we're having to pay to watch them now. Maybe the BBC <laughs> did have to a, lot, a very large sum of money to get them out. I don't know. Give them benefit. Of the doubt. Maybe so. we'd have found them years ago if people didn't keep deleting his emails. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode's been found by a penis enlargement firm. <laughs> From what I can work out for our listeners, I mean, maybe they can confirm this for us. People start listening, and I think they're sort of just wondering at what point we just degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, friend, a friend of mine did point out the, the new podcasts bit bit light on actual actual technological information, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of mucking about mainly. <laughs> Sorry, are we supposed to do some serious shit on this? <laughs> Nobody told me. Well, I don't think you can really call it a tech podcast these days. <laughs> Have <laughs> you done in the trade description? Well, you see, the, I think the way the format works, if anybody wants to get any information out of it, there's usually information for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> you can stop listening yeah, off then. That, turn off. <laughs> no, but on all seriousness, please listen to the whole thing. <laughs> okay. I think. And, on, on a, and on that note. <laughs> and on that note, that is the end of uh, the AV Forms podcast for this week. Um, all I need to do now is thank Mark Botwright. They're bad dudes. That's why they call the game Bad Dudes. Simon Crust. I wouldn't live with you if the world were flooded with piss and you lived in a tree. Ed Selly. Women have choices and men have responsibilities. And Steve Weathers. My whole life is have to go. No, hang on, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, it's one lane. <laughs> well, that's because the two I was going to do, you bastards have just done. Should have chosen a better film. Is- I thought it was appropriate for certain current predicament. To be honest. My whole life is have to. What? Worth the um, wait. What? What's that? <laughs> it's, it, the thing is, Steve is doing a quote, which does in itself contain a quote, which is very zen, but quite tricky to do. Ah. Disappearing into the Steve? matrix. Why not do, but they'll let any butt-reaming asshole be a father. That Surely that's mean? better than You obviously weren't life. listening. <laughs> Have we done that at the beginning? Have we done that? Unfortunately, Steve, when you talk, everybody just tunes out. Yeah. We should have talked yeah. about 4K oh. this week. <laughs> <laughs> How about I give them six months, three if she cooks. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, bookmark avforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Don't forget the new AV Forums is coming soon. And uh, we'll have more information on that for you in the weeks ahead. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show? I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we promise to see you again next Wednesday. <laughs>